You alright? My name's Paul, I've got autism, and I make random videos based on my version of autism and the way my head works, and I stick the videos on the internet in case you fancy giving them a watch. Hope you're all doing alright. Um, hot day, as always, so I'm wearing my shorts, short sleeve top, things I don't like. I like to be covered up, but I can't do that unless I want to sweat a lot. So, um... You know, I took the dog out early this morning because you shouldn't take your dog out after 20 degrees um, as per vet recommendations. I don't know if that's for the world, but it's definitely in the UK. Um, it winds me up when you see people walking a dog. It's like dinner time, one in the afternoon, and it's 30 degrees, and they just stood there. They're always, it's always a fat guy, massive belly, just stood there talking like he knows everything about everything. And the dog's there, like, dancing on a hot tin roof. Um, but at least the dog gets to, you know, shelter under the uh, the shadow of the guy's big belly. But yeah, it winds me up. So we went out nice and early, um, and the plan was to go on the field and play chuck it, which is uh, I don't know if you've seen them, but they're like the ball that's on the end of a like a, a scooped stick, and you just wing the ball further. The dog loves it, but the thing is, I don't throw it further; I just throw it as far as I could throw it. But if I do it with my hand, he's just not interested. It's really weird. Uh, but we were on the field and I fancied a coffee because it was nice and early in the morning. And uh, because I was out obviously doing a dog walk, I didn't take my wallet with me. Um, so I did the, I went on the, went on the phone, pressed the, uh, the banking app and pressed the emergency cash or get cash option and thought, right, I'll go into town, go to the cash machine, put in the, the code, get a tenner out, go and get a coffee, walk back. Did all of that, but when I get to the machine, the machine was out of order, so I was gutted. So I was trying to rack my brain for a new way of doing something, and um, I ended up bringing myself into the uh, you know up, up to date with a bit of technology, and I put Google Play on my phone, and I went in the coffee shop and just went, "Excuse me, mate, you couldn't just make sure this works, could you? Just put it in for a large cappuccino and see how it works." And sure enough, it registered. So uh, yeah got a coffee, walked home. So I've brought myself into the 21st century, my friends. So Google Pay is now on my phone. Interesting. Um, What else has been going on? Oh, you know what? I'm not even going to start waffling because I'm waffling already and uh, three minutes in or something. It's not good. So let me get into the topic. I did a video a while ago where it was about I think it was like six reasons or six potential signs of undiagnosed autism in adults. And it went down well. And I got a few emails saying, you really helped. And that's the point. That's why I make videos. Uh, it's not for the praise. <laughs> it's to try and help. So I thought, well, since it went down well, I'll try and think of a few more things which could be potential things that are, you know, might be undiagnosed autism in adults because there's a lot of people out there who don't go uh, down the um, down the professional route. Some people can't do it because there isn't the resource available to them. So it might just help if it can. Now, these are only from my perspective. I can't speak for you, can't speak for anyone else. I can only share things because I was diagnosed at 34. So I'd led a lot of life before. I was diagnosed and have been trying to make sense of it ever since. So these are just things I know about me, and I know they are linked in with my autism. So let's just roll and see where we end up. So the first thing that I want to talk about 
for a potential undiagnosed autism trait is hating your birthday. Now, this is not the same as disliking Christmas, family gatherings, work events. I'm not talking about socializing. I'm not on about that at all because that's not new news that a lot of autistic people don't like heavy versions of socialization. That is not new news. It's birthdays, just birthdays. Because I've I think I've got it down to two things on a birthday of why I really don't like them. And one of them is the unwelcome attention. I don't like attention at the best of times. And it's kind of like you've got this fixed day. It rolls around. You know it's your birthday. Other people get an alert that it's your birthday. They start sending messages wishing you happy birthday. People you come into contact with will wish you happy birthday. I have to use a holiday day to take my birthday off because... I just want to avoid all that. I don't want that attention brought onto me. But then that brings me to the second point, and that is I find it really difficult to say thank you. I don't know why, but I always have done. And if someone ever points it out to you and says, you know, you don't say thank you much, then that makes it even harder. It throws another barrier in front of it, and you feel like people are waiting for you to say thank you because then you've been prompted, and it makes the whole situation 10,000 times worse. But you know, like my mum gave birth to me on a particular day. I had nought to do with that, I don't think. So why every year do I have to do something about it? You know, add another year on. Right, well, we'll do that on numbers. I don't need to go somewhere and have a meal because of it. So I've, I just find it very tricky to even entertain my birthday. Like I said, I have to take the day off at work. That's a holiday day that I have to take to avoid the interaction because of my birthday. And I always use the example of socks. How are you meant to receive socks and be positive about it? You know, people buy a pair of socks. It's a, it's a practical gift. Cheers. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what to say. You know, it's like I open them. It's like socks needed. Cheers. Put them down. Right, let's carry on. But for some reason, people really want a stronger response out here. And as snide as it might sound, people shouldn't buy me socks anyway because my feet are, are, are wider. Like when I was a kid, I wore really bad shoes because my mum couldn't afford anything decent. And if my feet grew, she couldn't afford to buy me more trainers. So I had to make do with them until there was money to get new ones. So my like little toe on my left foot curls under the other toe. Um, so they were quite stifled feet. They probably should have been size 18 instead of size 11. But, you know, the what I'm getting at is when I got older, I started wearing skate shoes and I started wearing fabric shoes, shoes that allowed your feet to move and breathe. And when they got that freedom, they spread out. Not as bad as a duck. It's not like I've got really wide, flat feet, but they're just a bit wider because I've always wore shoes that allow it. And when I'm in the house, I don't wear them. I never wear anything on my feet when I'm indoors. So if you're to buy me socks from a normal shop, chances are they're going to hurt. And I've got rugby player legs, even though I don't play rugby. So on my calves, when I take my socks off, you always see this dug-in rim on my, uh, on my calves. So they're not pleasurable. Uh, but what I'm getting at is birthdays, hating your birthday because of the unwanted attention. You'll find you're taking the day off just to avoid it. 
or going away somewhere or doing something that is purposefully unfun so other people don't want to join in with you um, and you find it difficult to say thanks for the gifts you bought. So that's one point. Another point would be that you have a connection with animals. Speaking from my experience, of course, I can't speak for everyone else's. I'm not rude enough to think I ever could. But I really feel connected with animals. And I don't want to get into the somatics or whatever it's called, where, you know, you, I say I love my dog, I love my cat. But then you get a vegan going, yeah, but you don't love all animals, do you? Because you eat them. It's like, well, we're not doing that. What I'm saying is you do have a connection. So we'll pick on dogs for this. All right. So my, my dog, like I, I absolutely couldn't give him up unless you gave me a hundred grand in cash and he went to a good home. <laughs> but I couldn't give him up. You know, he's, he's daft as a brush. He's a pain in the backside. He ruins the house. But it's George. You know, he's a part of the house. He's, he's here now. And it, you just can't do without it. And you can't just swap him out for another dog because it's not, it's not him then, is it? But you get people. Like, I don't like the majority of people. I think we're a poor design. And I, I just don't understand why people chase power, chase money. But what they can't do is look around them and go, who does that ever benefit? Unless your name's Elon Musk or that Jeff Bezos. Everyone else is fighting. Everybody else is having a war. People are arguing in sales offices, losing the jobs. I remember a lad I used to know worked for this terrible telemarketing company, and if they didn't make enough sales, your chair got taken away. And you have to stand there carrying on making calls without a chair. I would have loved to have seen them try and take my chair away. Would have loved it. But anyway, um, but I don't understand how people can mistreat dogs because we're picking for dogs for the example. How on earth can you mistreat a dog? And you get these people who will get a dog and then get rid of it two months later because I didn't realize it was that hard work. What, so you just thought a puppy would show up, sit in a corner, smile for your Instagram pictures, never defecate, never chew anything, Never, never cause a bit of damage, never rip your arm out the socket when you're taking him for a walk and he just darts off after something. They're an animal. They're not, they're not an accessory. So what are you doing? I just absolutely can't wrap my head around how people can get an animal and then give it up. I don't understand how people can get one under lockdown because they thought they had the time for it and then when lockdown's lifted, they give it up. All these animals that get mistreated and these scumbag pieces of trash people who need eradicating off the earth, who breed them, um, you know, and just breed these uh, female dogs into illness, into death, just because they're trying to make a bit of money. It's like, get a job. There's an idea for you, lads. Get a job, work at it consistently, and you'll earn more money doing that than these get-rich-quick schemes that injure animals. You know, these people need put down, not the animals. I just don't understand how people can mistreat them. Like, George, today we've been for the walk. We've played with the chuck it ball. We've been in the back garden and played with the ball again because he's obsessed. You know, we'll go in the garden again later just so he can chill out and, you know, roll around scratching his back. I'll take him for another walk later when the sun's gone down a bit. And, you know, like last night he had a chew because he loves a wrestle in the evening. So we have a fight. And then after a fight, I give him a, a long chew for an hour and he just chews bones and, all sorts, these chicken things. 
and then he goes outside, he has a wee, he comes back in, he knows it's bedtime at 10 o'clock, and then he uh, he comes in, he has these star-shaped chamomile biscuits, he has one of them because he knows that's his bedtime biscuit, gets himself comfy, give him a stroke on the head, see you in the morning, mate. He's cared for because I love him, because I want to, because I need to. He needs me to look after him, and I want to do that. And there's these pieces of trash who don't look after him and use them, abuse them, fight them, breed them. I just can't wrap my head around it at all. You know, and, and, and just to move away from that so I don't talk about it forever, there is a connection. Like, how many times, if you're like me and you have that connection with animals, how many times have you stroked a stranger's dog and they've gone, they never let anyone do that? You know, or there might be a dog that never sits down, doesn't listen to commands, and you give it the command and it does as it's told. And people are just jaw-dropped that the dog did it for you. It's because there is a connection. I don't care what anyone says, there's a connection there. Um, so for me, that, that, that is a trait of undiagnosed autism. If you, if you have that connection with animals and you feel more drawn to animals than people, you care more about animal welfare than human welfare, that's a sign. Something else would be that you question societal norms. So I don't ever see the point in a lot of things a lot of people do. I don't see the point in chasing after money. I don't see the point in chasing after a manager job title. I don't see the point in driving a fancy car. I don't see the point in getting a fast car when the rules on the road say 70 miles an hour and I can use the same uh, roads as you. You don't get money off when you go through a toll road just for having a Porsche or a Ferrari. So, you know, I, I just don't get a lot of the thought process. I don't understand why people go out to take pictures to put on social media to look like they're having a good night, but they spent all night taking pictures and trying to find pictures of them pretending to have a good night. Just go out and have a good night. So there's a lot of things, and I could make a million points about how I don't connect with humans, but societal norms as well. They're not for me. So like, what can I use as an example? Um, the path of life. You know, a child is born in a house with two parents and that child has a sibling of the opposite sex and they grow up, they go to school, they go to college, they go to uni, they find a partner in uni, they leave uni, they go into a job that meets their master's they get a house with their partner, they get married to their partner, they have a child within the first year of being married. Within the next couple of years, they have another child and the child will be the opposite sex of the child they first had. And when you look around them, all their friends did exactly the same thing. Ugh, it's so common and people walk it. And I noticed, the, and if it works for you and that's what you did and you enjoyed it, crack on. I'm not saying that. If you enjoy what you do, who am I to argue? I'm just saying that there's a path of life out there. You know, that what do they call it? The biological imperative? I don't have it. I've never been interested in having kids. You know, people say, well, what's the point in being on earth if you're not going to have them? Well, I didn't ask to be here, so while I am here, I'm going to try and have an all right time if you don't mind. You know, I don't have to do what you want to do. I don't have to do what research says I should do. I wasn't involved in the research, so it's not accurate when it comes to me, is it? Point made. but. I just, I've never seen the point. And I ventured off. I went and worked away. I went and did a thousand different jobs. I've worked on bars. I've been a pot washer. I've been an entertainer. I've been in the fire service. I've been a, um, an assessor. I've been an auditor. 
done all sorts of stuff. I was a cleaner. I was an arcade engineer. I've done all sorts because I just didn't fancy following the path of life. I wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And I even had an uncle at about 27, 28 years old sort of take me to one side and go, when are you going to pack all that in and settle down, get married, have kids? I'm not. I don't want kids. Oh, you do. They're the best things in the world. Yeah, for you. I'm not you. I don't want kids. I said that at 27. It's more than 10 years after that now. I still don't want kids. And I'm very, very, very happy and content with that decision. I promise you that. Okay. So, you know, like marriage. I don't get marriage. You know, if you want to get married, get married. If it's in your religion and you want to follow your religion and, you know, tick a lot of boxes, crack on. What you do that makes you content and makes you happy, I want you to do, so long as you're legal, consensual, and you're not breaking no laws, it's not detrimental to nobody else. I want you to fulfill your happiness. Paul, the guy sat here, doesn't get marriage. That's all I'm saying. So I don't understand why people sort of plan an event five years in the future for a bunch of people who I might, I might not even see these people in five years. I might not have seen them for 20 years before that, but I get this thing through the post where I've got to respond within their time frame to wait five years full of anxiety to then have to go to this event to eat food I didn't get a say in what I get given, and I never like it anyway, like a mushroom soup. I don't like mushrooms. I sit next to people I don't know because I don't get to choose who I sit next to. To watch people get married in a big church and I can't even hear what's going on, and then watch people have a dance, which is really cringeworthy. And I've got to buy him a present. Why? I'd, I'm not the one getting married. Why, why have I got to give up a day, mess about, and buy you something? It takes two people to get married and someone to marry them. Do it. You'll save a fortune. Don't invite people. Just, you know, and if you want to sort of celebrate it with your nearest and dearest, just go out for a meal afterwards. You know, I, I just. I don't get marriage. And I also, and this is going to make me sound um, fight the power here, but I, I also don't like the fact that the father in traditional times gives their daughter away. I don't like the words. It makes it sound like the daughter is a possession and they have to be handed over from man to man like she needs to be looked after. I hate that. I really don't like that. And if you're traditional and you keep that and the wife stays at home, the husband goes out to work, Old school, if you still do that, I'm not having a go. I'm just saying I don't like the idea of it because I would never want to care for a human being who, in my eyes, is identical to me. We're a human being. I don't care about your colour, your age, your religion, whatever. I've been in the fire service. I know what people look like when they do things that are wrong, regardless of who you think you are. <laughs> I know what we're designed of. Everything else is just a thought. You know, so... I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying I do not follow societal norms and I also don't understand a lot of them either. But if you do and you enjoy them, crack on. But it's still a trait that if we feel disconnected with neurotypical creations, then maybe we're not neurotypical, is what I'm saying. Uh, what's time am I on? Right, I've got 10 minutes to knock two more out. So the other for me would be that you, um, you don't, ever have the benefit of autopilot. And what I mean by autopilot is you have to stay dialed in 24-7 for 
for every single decision you make, no matter how big or small. Now, I have a terrible memory, and I genuinely think the reason I have a terrible memory is because I have to stay so busy, I don't get time to retain information. So, like, let's, let's pick on two, two people. Let's pick on me, and let's pick on person A. We both need to leave the house. We both need to get bread and milk from the supermarket and come home again. Now, person A will realize they need bread and milk, put a pair of flip-flops on, even though you shouldn't drive in flip-flops. They'll start driving to the shop. They'll be messing about on the radio, trying to find a decent song or put it onto the match on Talk Sport or whatever. They drive to the shop, park wherever they want, go in, get a basket, grab the bread, grab the milk, grab some crisps, grab some bits and bobs, buy them, off they go. If I do it, I've got to get dressed appropriately. Can't just bang some flip-flops on. I get in the car. I don't mess about with the radio because that's a stationary job for me. I like to pay attention to what I'm doing and put all my focus on the road because there's a lot of idiots on the road who are looking at the radio, picking songs. You know, get to the shop, park in my position, park in my place, and if I can't take it because someone's in it or park very close towards it, I go in the shop, get a basket if I need one. I don't need a basket for bread and milk because that's all I'm going for. I'm dialed in for that. Get the bread and milk, go home. And if I get home and I go, ah, oh, I also needed mustard. <laughs> that's the only thing I could think of. Um, don't even eat mustard, but you know, I would have to make another trip because I don't walk down any other aisles. I just dial in and go directly where I need, like I'm on a secret mission. So I just don't benefit from autopilot. And I think that's why, because I stay dialed in, it's like it's like a bike wheel. You know when you were a kid and you'd put your bike upside down and you'd spin your pedals and your bike wheel would be going hell for leather? That's what my brain's like. It's just spinning so fast. And when I stop thinking, because I've spanned my mind so fast, it's still spinning and I've got to wait for it to slow down and stop. There's no kill switch. I can't just cut it dead. It's still, that's why I can't sleep because it's still racing because I've had it spinning that fast in the day. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't benefit from autopilot. I have to stay dialed in for every decision I make, which is why I can burn out quicker. It's why I need to recover. It's why I am reclusive on a weekend because I've got to do whatever I can to slow it down a little bit because I know I'm going to have to leave house on the, on the Monday and do it all over again. So, I don't benefit from autopilot. So if you find yourself paying attention to every single thing you do and you look around you and see people just floating on by, there's a good chance that you have autism. And the last one to uh, wrap it all up uh, in a few minutes is the light switch mood. And what I mean by light switch mood is it's like your mood is here. It's just consistently traveling, not a problem. It's a spinning plate. And then all of a sudden, your mood falls off a cliff and it goes as far, far, far to the bottom as it possibly can. And then it's like having to walk a million steep steps back up just to bring yourself back to the level you were. So your mood can end like turning out a light, but then it's a very, very tough, hard path to bring it back. And the problem is, as quick as it can fall, it can be the smallest thing that can send it over the edge as well. And sometimes it's things that are out of your control. Like, I always try and make a very conscious effort and decision 
to only worry about the things that are in my control. Because the things that are out of my control, why am I getting worried about them? Why am I upset about them? Why am I letting them affect my mood when I actually can't do nothing about it? But every now and again, something kicks through, something seeps through, and I can't help it. So on a Friday, I had a phone call. I was, I was in the garden. I was just sort of getting some air, letting the dog and the cat out get some air. Uh, I was working from home, and I'm in the garden, dinner time, phone rings. It's the mortgage. It's my financial advisor, mortgage person, whatever you want to call them. So I don't have to do all the bank stuff. They do it and get a commission, so I don't have to pay them um, through the bank. And they just went, right, it's, uh, you know, in December, your mortgage renewal is up. And just to let you know, it's going to be between two and three hundred pound a year more because of the state of the country, the state of the monies, the state of this, the state of that. And it brought me down because where do I find that sort of money from? It's not like it's going to be another 20 pence. It'll be another 200 quid. I have to start selling my body to science because people won't want to buy it for any other reason. But that sent my mood off. Now, what sent my mood off the cliff wasn't the fact that, oh, more money, because to me, money is a tool. I don't care. But what set my mood off with the things that are outside of my control that I try to avoid? So, like, there are some people in this world who won't work. Not that they don't work, they won't work. They are happy to live on benefits. They are quite content to argue with the council because the council won't give them a bigger council house because they won't stop having kids. But they refuse to work and just claim benefits. Even though they could work, they just won't. So I pay for their benefits. Yes, I do. That's what my tax goes towards. I pay that. That's not fair. Rich people who sit at the top of the castle, they don't ever feel the pinch. You know, they're sending their kids to Eton, which is 50 grand a term. Term, not the entire year, a term. So how are they going to feel another two or 300 quid? They're not. You know, so the people who sit in the I won't work bracket because they're quite happy on benefits, they've got no desire, they're quite happy just being benefit scroungers. You know, I have no problem with people being unemployed so long as they don't work. Because don't work and won't work are two different things. If you don't work, it means you will at some point. You're going to keep looking, you're going to keep trying. Good for you. There are some people who can't work. I have no problem with them either. That could be disability related. It's all about who won't. So they won't work. They get tax breaks. They get money given to them. They get extra money for food given to them. They get more money per kids that they have. There are people who sit in the ivory towers who never feel a pinch. But then I sit in the middle. My pension age rises. My uh, national insurance risen. No, my tax rises. I'm feeling, because I own a car, this ridiculous amount of fuel uh, allowance I'm having to pay. You know, the, the further I travel for work, the less money I come out with, which is crazy, isn't it? So I'm trying not to go far at the minute. I suffer it. Now, I never try and worry about the things outside of my control, but every now and again, when you know your pension age keeps going up, when you know your cost of living keeps rising and nobody is helping you, but they're helping people who won't work, it bothers you. So my mood went straight down. It just fell off the cliff on Friday dinner time, and it's still climbing back up. 
I need to find a sneaky way of getting another two or 300 quid. And I'm not going to change my job. I've just got this job and I like this job. And yes, I did take more money to go to it, but that's not the point. I shouldn't have to consistently change my arrangements just because this country cannot manage itself very well. Hmm. But yeah, what I mean, what I was trying to make is your mood isn't a gradual decline and then a gradual build. It's not like it can fall off and pick straight back up again. It is the fact that it literally does change like a light switch. It is fine one minute and absolutely rock bottom at the next. And your reaction can be quite extreme at that end too. You know, so very quickly, I remember working for this guy and something happened. And he dropped my mood like that. And after nearly eight years of doing this sort of work, I wanted to leave. I wanted to go home. I wanted to return to Manchester. I wanted to forget I'd ever worked there. I just wanted to just leave everything and basically delete that chapter of my life off one very short, quick, flippant remark, which I didn't deserve. The light switch mood. So I hope they helped a little bit at all, if at all possible. And if not, then I apologize for wasting your time. But as always, thanks for watching. And until next time, keep smiling.